This is Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a long-term care podcast from Horn Healthcare. Welcome to Love from Afar, Part 2. Today, we will discuss the psychology of loneliness and learn about the psychological pathways of how your mind and body function and how certain interventions can combat loneliness. Hi, I'm Barry Plunkett, your host of Decision Point, Age into New Norms. In part one of Love from Afar, we introduce the concept of social isolation, meaning having very little actual in-person interactions with others. We learned how that can be detrimental and how it can be a serious health risk to senior citizens. The pandemic has exacerbated this health crisis in long-term care facilities, and those in the long-term care industry have definitely experienced an increase in depression, anxiety, frustration, and irritability in their residents since COVID-19. To help us better understand the impact of social isolation, we have asked Dr. Jerry Avery to join us today. Dr. Avery is a licensed professional counselor and practice consultant, currently working with the Killebrew Psychological Services. She has worked more than 20 years in the behavioral field in both administrative and direct services. Jerry has served on the Mississippi Opioid and Heroin Summit Planning Committee, Board of Directors for the McCoy House for Sober Living, Mississippi Drug Court Advisory Committee, National Prevention Network, National Association of State Alcohol and Drug Directors, Director of the Southeastern School for Alcohol and Drug Addiction, and was co-founder and director of Mississippi School for Addiction Professionals for 10 years. Dr. Avery, thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here, Barry. This is such an important topic, and I appreciate being invited on. Well, it is an important topic, and we're going to throw several good, strong questions at you. And the first one is going to be, how can owners, operators respond to extended periods of isolation and increased symptoms of depression and anxiety? So this is a really great question. Um, I think this is something we've all experienced over the past 12 months. And one of the best words to use, I think, for the past 12 months is just that of loss. So, you know, many of us have lost our freedoms. Uh, we've had some financial losses, some of us, even down to our daily routines and our interactions of what we do during the day and who we do it with has changed. Our recreational activities have changed and that we've become isolated as well. So this can be even more pronounced in uh you know, group living situations in long-term care facilities. Some have characterized 2020 as a year of anxiety. And so for owners and operators, you know, there's been, they've experienced the same similar loss, the same amount of anxiety, maybe uh, perhaps I think it's fair to say increased anxiety, given that the demographic they serve was, were so at risk. So for some, they've experienced, you know, times of being understaffed due to parents having to return home for homeschooling and distance learning. Uh, and so the staff that remain become overworked. So there was you know, chaos both at work related to frequently changing rules and procedures, trying to keep up with everything that was going on, 
both out in the environment and internally. There was a fear for, you know, your own safety, as well as that of patients, as well as that of your own families, your colleagues as well. Um, and then that sadness and, and grief um, that hit so many people surrounding um, this loss that has been occurring. So the situation really got compounded, I think, Barry, when, you know, in, in America, uh, and it, as in most cultures, people get together to grieve. And, you know, we like to be in the space of each other. We want to be able to touch each other. We want to be able to hug each other. And so for many of us, that loss and grief has really gone underground. One of the most visible examples, as you know, it's just been funerals. Um, and perhaps you've known some, someone who passed during COVID as well. And, you know, you weren't able to attend funerals. So you couldn't go and hug people and have that experience of sharing memories. So, you know, with older adults and their families, they've been particularly hit by this. You know, I lost my own mother in December and we were able, due to COVID, and we were able to have a small funeral, uh, but we were not able to visit her while she was sick. And so, you know, this has been painful not only for families, but the owners and operators um, of facilities that provide these services. So, you know, they feel that loss that their families feel. They feel that loss that their colleagues have. They feel that loss you know, that um, the patients are feeling when they lose a roommate or somebody they've become close to at the facility. So I think a good thing for all of us to be doing um, is just turning our attention towards how do we make life more meaningful? What are some of the suggestions you might have uh, for the long-term care facility and establishing a new way of looking at things? I think revisiting this term of making life meaningful. And this is what long-term facilities have always done is how do, how do we do this? But there's an increased focus on it right now because the symptoms are worse. So, you know, it was all, it's always a challenge to make life meaningful no matter what age we're at. You know, we wake up every day and we figure we have to determine how can we make a difference today. Um, but some, I was reading an article the other day in Psychology Today and they were really identifying um, what is it, how do you establish meaning for people? And so broadly, I'm going to talk broadly about it, and then we'll go into some specifics for long-term care facilities. But broadly for all of us, you know, what they identified were three facets. And the first is the feeling that life makes sense. We all want to feel that. The second was purpose, and which is having and working towards goal. And the last was mattering that we have value and that we make a difference. So these are the things that broadly, you know, it's helpful for long-term care facility operators to consider. And this, these are topics you can talk with your staff about and the patients about in terms of how do we do this for you so that you're getting input in every area, but it has to be purposeful. This isn't haphazardly done. And for, you know, for long-term care facility operators, one thing they can do is have this meeting, have a purposeful conversation of, all right, how, if, if we're going to increase meaning in our patients and in and, and the day-to-day -day routines that we create, how can we do that and what do we need to do here? There are lots of ideas out there, um, which you and I can review some of those now, if, um, if that sounds good. Sure, please. Okay. So the first suggestion I have is just assigning a champion. Often, if there's not a leader in place or somebody that's heading up something like this, it just doesn't get done. Or maybe it gets done on Wednesday one week and by the next week you've forgotten about it. 
So number one is hiring this meaning champion. You can call them anything you want, but the idea behind it is that you have this one assigned person that's really trying to change the culture um, or improve the culture, offer meaning uh, within the, the facilities. The second is establishing routine and purposefully including opportunities to find meaning and purpose. So it can be simple activities like gardening where you plant something and you're watching it grow. Uh, it can be interactions with others because attachment is a huge driving force for all of us. We need to feel attached to each other, which is why this isolation has been so damaging to mental health um, for people of all ages. But offering increased interactions with others to offer this opportunity for attachment. Uh, another is taking a step back and examining the current health environment. The recommendations are changing. And so what happened, I think, at the beginning of COVID was everybody was kind of resistant to take on some of these recommendations. Well, now there's some recommendations that are kind of making policies more flexible, trying to push forward towards uh, decreasing isolation. And so that resistance is now occurring for decreasing isolation, where now these policies are in place and there's this drive uh, and people are scared to be the first one to start releasing them. So shortly, we'll be getting to some um, recommendations from the CDC uh, that I think are very helpful. So just keep a monitoring from a leadership perspective of what are the current recommendations and then being willing to implement those at your facilities. So being creative and keeping things fresh. So again, if you have a champion, if you have a team, if you're asking for input from the patients themselves, from their family members, and from the employees, it's going to be super easy to keep things creative and fresh when you're seeking ideas from the people you work with. They know the answers. They just need to be asked the question of, you know what, what can we do to create meaning in this facility and increase interaction? Um, uh, and just keeping in mind that, you know, what we're going through right now is a marathon and a little bit like turning the Titanic. It's not going to happen really quickly, but it is something you have to be dedicated to and you have to be purposeful in. That's a really important word is purposeful, that you're doing something on purpose with an intent and goal in mind meant to improve the mental health um, of the patients and also of the employees. Because that's what we're talking about here today, Barry, is we're talking about two things for owners and operators. They have two populations. We're about really three, if you include families. They have their employees, their colleagues, and they also have patients uh, that they're really focusing on. Well, now that you bring that up, looking at the employees, they're just as impacted as family members and residents. So, what are some strategies that you might think are useful for improving or increasing morale and staff wellness? So many options out there. So many. And so let's do go through some of those. The first thing I do want to talk about is the basic, which is promoting this vaccine. We want the employees to feel safe. You know, we can all only just imagine how threatened employees have felt over the past year uh, with COVID, you know, first when there was very little information about, didn't really know how, uh, you know, it was transmitted. Um, and, you know, so now the vaccine is out. So staff, the staffers vaccine rate, last time I looked was about 38%. 
which was falling well that below of 78% of the residents. So the residents are getting the vaccine in very high numbers, doing super well at long-term care facilities. The employees are falling behind in terms of their rate of vaccination. So really, we need to counterbalance that nonsense uh, that is so available on social media uh, and get the facts to the employees to increase vaccination. Uh, you know, and then there's other policies you can implement uh, to increase the feeling of safety for your employees, which is quarantine and isolating new admits, you know, having some sort of procedure in place, developing practices when people return from outside appointments. So, you know, first there's safety. So that involves, um, you know, vaccine. It involves making sure PPE is readily available. It doesn't need to be locked in the closet at the end of the hallway. You don't need to have to go through three people to get a key to get some gloves out or some face masks out. So PPE being readily available all the time, making them conveniently located. So, you know, putting shoe covers inside rooms instead of in, in a you know, closet down the hallway. So again, just kind of reevaluating where is your safety equipment? How available is it to the employees? Because the number one driving force right now is to make sure employees feel safe and patients feel safe in their homes and in their workplaces. Another thing we recommend is in involving HR. HR can be very helpful to your employees. They need to know what mental health benefits they have. And a lot of times, you know, we all do. We walk around, we're like, you know, I'd like to see a therapist, but I don't feel like going and pulling up my mental health benefits. I don't know if it's going to be covered or not. I don't know where to go to get to find a therapist. How much is it going to pay for? And in some cases, you might have contractual employees who don't have health benefits. So a few things you can do there is print out uh, or create a flyer that shows what are the mental health benefits associated with your insurance plan and making sure those are readily posted in visible locations where nobody has to go look. And if you have preferred providers and contracts with therapists or therapeutic locations, printing those out, making sure everybody has super easy access to them where they don't have to go digging for the information and for those contractual employees who may not have health insurance, you know, have an HR work with them to go to healthcare.gov and sign up for one of the programs that are available because it is available right now. Um, it's open to enrollment. It's something special they've done during COVID is open it up to unusual times of the year. So helping employees gain access. If you don't have an employee assistance program, it's strongly recommended. Those are super helpful. So an agency can contract with one or three or five counseling locations where they pay, you know, different plans are out there, but you can pay a set fee and each employee gets three to five sessions where they don't have to use their benefits at all. So all they need is a name and number in, in on those situations. And then there's lots of other ideas out there. You know, employees, you know, are interested in anything that makes their life easier so that might include on-site laundry so they can wash their clothing if they're afraid they're taking, might be taking home something. They can wash their clothes or leave their clothing there so they can dress there and then go home feeling like they're not taking anything home. Um, increase the number of activities professionals on duty because the employees are just going to feel better when the patients feel better. When the patients are happier, the employees are going to be happier, more fulfilled and more satisfied. So those activities persons can be super helpful 
just to engage everybody. The employees can play the games too. They can participate in the music. So all the things that you implement for the patients is also likely to benefit the employees as well. That's a lot of good information, Jerry. And it certainly makes sense that when the old saying, when mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So naturally, you want your patients happy, but you also want to share that happiness with your entire staff. So that makes a lot of sense. Another thing that we've heard so much about, especially in part one of this episode, is the pain of the lack of touch, uh, missing the hugs, not being able to physically be with those you loved. What are some of the strategies that they might be able to use to mitigate the long-term effects of isolation and the lack of touch. Number one on this list, hands down, Barry, is time to transition back to having visitors. So number one is we have got to get the families back together with their family members. So opening up to visitors. So, you know, the CMS, Centers for Medicaid Services, Medicare Services, and CDC, have issued new guidelines for visitation. Reading those guidelines, getting them in place, creating procedures and protocols is absolutely number one on that list. Let's get these families back together safely. So for those that are, you know, really uh, concerned, I just encourage them to go read those regulations and implement them tomorrow if they haven't already. The second thing to do is, and one one of the gifts of COVID is we've all learned to communicate better via video. So making sure FaceTime is available, Skype is available, some sort of video communication. It's a gift that we've learned to use all these things. You know, we've increased our equipment, but having that equipment for all patients in the long-term care facilities is critical. We don't need to limit it to weekend visitations anymore. They can now visit with their grandkids, They can, you know, be at birthday parties uh, by video. So making sure that equipment is readily available throughout the facility, in the rooms, you know, making it mobile, taking it to who needs it, when they need it, and increasing availability that way is number one. Now, that doesn't help necessarily with touch, but certainly that that visual and being able to see family uh, is incredibly powerful. Another is improving the atmosphere, which is kind of what we've been talking about is purposefully improving the atmosphere. So there's increased interactions with staff using music, using activities uh, and spending time together. We've been socially distancing. And as that starts to, you know, from six feet down to three feet, you know, as we're able with increased vaccination um, that we increase interactions at the same degree and level. Uh, that we're reducing social uh, distancing. Any and all activities that increase attachment to others need to be supported and promoted. And then there are things like yoga where we get back in touch with our own bodies too. Uh, And as we get to leave our rooms and go to group activities, some of those can be focused on health and physical activities where again, we're getting in touch with our own bodies and movement again, because we've kind of been isolated in our homes and rooms. And then exercise regimens can be really critical for that as well. Those are some great ideas. And it just certainly supports what we've heard in the previous episodes. So thank you for that. This has been a 
really thorough and helpful conversation with many helpful tips, Jerry. And we thank you for sharing your wisdom and your experience with our listeners. It's been my pleasure, Barry. I appreciate what you guys are doing uh, for the families out there uh, and for the patients out there and certainly the owners and operators of who have really been in this challenging environment of providing care during COVID. Uh, thank you for inviting me. If anyone would like to contact me or Killebrew Psychological Services, we can be reached at 769-231-9414. Thank you. Our next episode features Chris Hannibal, a doctorate of physical therapy for progressive health. Chris will describe a physical therapy program for COVID recovery patients that is a win-win for both patients and long-term care facility owners. Thank you for listening to Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. Decision Point is produced by Horn LLP. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. To learn more about Horn, visit hornllp.com.